What does a red scarf, a cyborg, and some cities chasing each other have in common? All this and more coming up on this episode of Lasers and Lockets, the podcast all about awesome complex female characters in science fiction and fantasy entertainment. This is episode 20. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Lee, and welcome back to the show. Before we dive into the episode, here's some info you can use. News. If you're new to our show, welcome. You can find this podcast pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. I have a lot of really fun things planned this year. If you're enjoying the show please take a moment to rate us on iTunes and elsewhere. Five stars can really help us grow and improve. If you're an erper, you've probably heard that season four of our beloved show is in limbo right now. If you're wondering what you can do to help politely no-chill the heck out of the powers that be, I'll leave the link to the game plan with the Winona Erp fans website. Bonnie and Kevin are awesome humans, and they and the cast of the show have really mobilized the erpers. The whiskey and donut-shaped bat signal has gone up. It's really an incredible thing to see, and I'm so proud to be a part of that amazing community. They'll always have your back. Winona Earp is one of those rare shows that changed my life for the better in so many ways, and I encourage you to give it a try if you haven't already. I also encourage you to give our episode on Winona Earp a re-listen or a listen for the first time if you haven't had a chance. It's episode eight, and I think it'll help to kind of convince you about why Winona Earp is such an important part of the sci-fi and fantasy genre. In way of other entertainment news, Alita Battle Angel released just a couple of weeks ago, and I was pleasantly surprised. While I don't place a ton of stock in Rotten Tomatoes critic reviews, this one has been rated fresh with 60% of critics liking it and 93% of audiences enjoying it. I am definitely going to be having an episode about it, and I encourage you to get out and give it a try if you're a fan of well-done sci-fi and special effects and action so very much action. I was entertained the whole way along, and I can easily see how it got 93% of audiences enjoying it as well. Lastly, Captain Marvel releases March 8th. If you haven't watched the latest trailer, I'll link to it in the show notes. It looks like a lot of fun. I'm cautiously optimistic. All right, let's get into the main topic for this episode. If you haven't guessed it already from the title or the teaser, this episode is about the book Mortal Engines by Philip Reeve. For me, books are a huge part of my life. I usually have at least two books that I'm reading at the same time. Books have always provided the perfect escape for me. As C.S. Lewis said, quote, we read to know that we are not alone, close quote. That has always been true for me. Reading has exposed me to so many cultures and beliefs and ideas, and it has helped me to grow as a person. I believe readers are more empathetic and willing to explore and see other points of view outside their own without necessarily adopting them. But reading 
sci-fi and fantasy books especially, helped me to escape to a world of future or past outside my own. Usually, reading a book inspires me to see a movie adaptation, and I am usually disappointed when I do. For tonight's book, though, it was the exact opposite. I saw the trailer for Mortal Engines, and it struck me. Uh, It was very visually dynamic. And so I decided to give the movie a try. I watched the film, and for the first time, it made me want to read the book. The film was not a critical success, but I enjoyed it enough to prompt me to explore that dystopian future world. I was gifted the Mortal Engines Quartet series for Christmas, and I promptly began reading the first book. The book's description says, quote, In a dangerous future, huge motorized cities hunt, attack, and fight each other for survival. As London pursues a small town, young apprentice Tom is flung out into the wastelands, where a terrifying cyborg begins to hunt him down. Close quote. I have to admit, I was a bit disappointed by the description because I realized that the book was going to be way different than the movie. I thought it was going to center fully on Tom, and the female characters would just be secondary. This has happened to me before, though. The Lost World TV series, based on Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World, had women in the cast, but the book only had one very minor female character who was written as a damsel in distress. That book, though, is still one of my favorites of all time, so I thought I'd still give this one a try. What I found in the Mortal Engines book, though, pleasantly surprised me, and it was a true delight to read. The book's initial look into the world may be Tom, but the true stars of the book, to me, are three incredibly complex female characters, Hester Shaw, Anna Fang, and Catherine Valentine. Without too many spoilers, I wanted to give you a little characterization of each of them. Let's start with Catherine Valentine, or Kate, as she's sometimes referred to. While Tom and Hester are out in the world, Catherine is the audience's view into London and what's really going on there. I love that the author chose a strong woman to be that window and that vehicle to take us through that storyline. On the surface, Catherine is a rich woman living with her father on the city of London. And I say on because London has become a giant city on wheels and tracks, a giant, uh, a giant tank, if you will. She's well-educated, Catherine, that is, not London. <laughs> and she lives on one of the upper tiers of the city. She's not expected to work, doesn't have a guild that she associates with, And she believes her father walks on water. Kate is also surprisingly inquisitive. A Veronica Mars type of gal is what I always think of. Just when you think you have Catherine figured out, though, another layer is revealed. After the events at the beginning of the book, Kate believes something fishy is happening on London. Instead of just agreeing and accepting her father's explanation, as soon as he leaves London on his secret mission, she starts digging for the truth. While she is raised on the upper tiers of the city, she isn't afraid to go below deck and expose herself to the grit and seedy underside of what is really going on in the city and the corruption leading it. When Kate is told to stand down and quit questioning and digging, she keeps going. 
her persistence and desire to stand up for truth and for people who are being taken advantage of are some of my favorite traits of this character. She's described as a beautiful, appealing woman, but I love when the author puts much more into the complexity of the character. Her charm can get her in places, but it's her wit and her intellect that gets things done. Sometimes male authors do not write women very well, but I am really impressed and surprised with Philip Reeve's characterization. Let's go ahead and transition now to talking about Anna Fang. She's a bit like the book's heroic rebel, I think. This colorful character is introduced a little way into the book when she rescues Tom and Hester from a very dire situation. She's an infamous pilot of the Jenny Hanover airship. A self-made woman, she owns her own ship and she is really well-traveled. She travels between all kinds of different places in the world. Anna is strong and clever, and I think one of the most important qualities is that she's she's not willing to sit on the sidelines. She's always right in the middle of everything going on. Fighting for what she believes to be true and right seems to be her motive. She's willing to give the downtrodden a chance to redeem themselves as well. She doesn't drop Tom and Hester when things get tough or when things are chasing them. Instead, she sees their redeeming qualities and gives them the courage to become heroes themselves. She is steady and calm in the face of incredible danger, and that's something that I think really helps Tom and Hester to grow as humans. When not with her, I think they take on the air of, what would Anna Fang do? Anna, you also learn, is a major agent of the anti-tractionist movement. You'll discover much more about the tractionists and the anti-tractionists throughout the book, but it's a pretty fascinating storyline. Those who live on the moving cities believe those who choose to live stationary on the land are savages and unsophisticated. It was so fascinating to me to think that no matter how far into the future, there may always be a way for people to judge one another. It appears to be a very human trait. Anna has some of the greatest action sequences in the book and I found her to be a very intriguing character. Philip Reeve doesn't develop her character much in the book. She's mostly already a fully formed kick-ass agent, but he takes the time to give her some really awesome plot points and story arcs. I found her to be a fascinating character, even without a ton of development. Okay, this brings us to the catalyst for this entire book, and possibly this entire series, Hester Shaw. I felt the movie handled our introduction to Hester as well as the book did, and that really pleased me. It was mostly true to the book in that regard. It's funny to watch a movie first and then read the book because you can compare how close it is to the book in that way. Hester Shaw comes to London inside the small town that London eats, and as her town is being devoured, she gets the opportunity to get close and stab Thaddeus Valentine. That's Catherine's father. This sets in motion most of the events of the Mortal Engines book. Hester, to me, is a bit of an anti-hero, and you can't help rooting for her. She's tough and rough and relatively cold at first, but she develops a lot over the course of the book. She has one purpose at the beginning, but her purpose begins to evolve as the book carries on. 
Hester is described as a potentially beautiful young woman who has horrific scars across one side of her face. I believe she may be even missing one of her eyes. I found this to be an incredibly powerful approach to a protagonist. She doesn't fit the norm of what you might imagine. In the film, she appears to be a beautiful young woman at first, until her scarf is pulled away and it shows terrible, a few, a few terrible scars on the side of her face. The film definitely used some adaptational attractiveness to make it easier to watch. In the book, I imagine her to be much more grotesque than the movie. That's for sure. Her appearance isn't the most interesting thing about her, though, so I really appreciate the way the author weaves it into the fabric of the story. It's a running thread, but it doesn't overwhelm the whole picture. It just provides context, if you will. Hester is the fiercest character in the book, in my opinion. She's driven and brave and impulsive and too quick to spit venom at someone, but I think the combination of her fierce heart with her flawed character makes her such an interesting person to adventure with. Tom is initially repulsed by her a little bit, but he also finds her deeply intriguing at the same time, and eventually, I believe, develops a true fondness for her. He even buys her a red scarf to replace the one she loses when she falls out of London. The scarf, while we're on the subject, is an important part of Hester's characterization. Hester almost hides behind it like a shield. She's initially more fierce and brave when her scars are covered up, but I think she develops more confidence, especially with Tom and Anna, as they show her what, that what happened to her doesn't define who she can become. The scars remind us of where we've been. They don't have to dictate where we're going. I'm pretty sure I just quoted Criminal Minds, uh, or Criminal Minds was quoting someone else. You know how they do that at the beginning and end of each episode. So anyway, Hester is really quick thinking. She can hit the ground running and assess the situation to plan out her next several moves before anyone else has had a chance to figure out what to do. This likely came from being abandoned when her parents were murdered. This is not really a spoiler, but it's um, maybe just a little bit, uh, but it is right at the beginning of the book, so you learn about that. Hester has to find her way as a small child in the world alone, and most of her life is building up to this point where the book begins, and so I think she's taken a little bit aback when things don't necessarily go to plan. As a child, Hester is taken in by Shrike, a cyborg, and that likely formed a lot of her unhealthy habits towards other humans. But I think that her trauma also makes her into this strong, courageous woman that she's become. I don't necessarily believe that a powerful and complex female character has to have a tragic backstory to become a hero, but in some cases it really works. And in this case, it's definitely one of those times. Catherine Valentine is kind of the exact opposite of Hester in the book, and she is still a, a strong, complex character, and I love that the book has both types. You can find a character to relate to on either side of the spectrum, and then you've got Anna Fang in the middle because you're never really sure if she's a good person or a bad person, but she's still a really strong character. Overall, I can't wait to read the remaining books in the quartet but I highly recommend diving into this world. Philip Reeve is a rich world builder and has strong characterizations. I don't know if he intended for his shining stars to be this trio of incredible women, 
but I am so glad that it happened that way. For recommendations for this episode, I just recommended Mortal Engines above, but I am also going to again give a shout out to Winona Earp. If you're into the types of women in Mortal Engines, you're going to be all in for Winona Earp. They are currently the strongest women on television, I feel. And it's a lot of fun for a sci-fi western with a big heart. If you have an opportunity to and you live in the States or Canada, you should be able to find it on your Netflix. Um, Elsewhere, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix as well, but definitely if you can find it, give it a chance. Um, Watching it on Netflix can really help to show that there's a demand for the series and that people are still interested in it. All right, this brings us to the question of the episode, gentle listeners. What is your favorite female character in science fiction or fantasy book that you've read or books that you've read? I cannot wait to see your answers. You can tweet them to me at LasersLockets. And let's go ahead and use the hashtag LasersLocketsQOD. So I'll see them a lot more quickly. You can also share them on our Facebook page. It's also at Lasers Lockets or our Discord channel. The link is in the show notes. And we'll see you back here in two weeks for another episode. In the meantime, curl up and dive into a fantastical world either in the future or the past. Remember that London currency doesn't mean a thing to anti-tractionists or pirate cities. And watch out for those flying cities. They might just fall out of the sky. Get your nerd on and be awesome. All right.